And then we camped on the top, on the summit. And then we watched the sun go down from up there. And then we watched the sun come up from up there. And then we came back down. So it was extraordinary in every way that I can possibly mention. It was extraordinary. But well, you asked about what it symbolized, what it meant for me. It was finding out whether I still could, basically. Finding out whether I still had it in me. Humans are so tiny and insignificant on this planet. We're like little ants running around doing our thing. And if you can put that aside and just ignore that and appreciate the grandeur of Mother Nature, you know, what all that she offers us, life is life is beautiful. <laughs> it really is. Welcome to the Midlife Reinvention Podcast. I'm your host, Kavita, and the founder of Power Purpose Play, a global community of women in midlife. I'm here to tell you that it's your time now to rediscover what has always been inside of you and bring that out into the world. If you're wondering what's next, but don't know quite what that is, or if you feel a twinge in your heart telling you that you have so much more to do and so much more to offer, you're in the right place. Ask yourself, if not now, when? Do you want to leave your job, start your own business, take control of your health, reignite the passion in your marriage, write that book, or at least that first chapter? Transitions like this can be daunting, but through listening to my story and interviews with incredible women every week, I hope to inspire you to take action. I rediscovered myself after the age of 50, and I know you can too. It's my time now to help you do just that. I'm so excited you're here. Let's dive in. Welcome everyone to this week's very special episode of the Midlife Reinvention Podcast. I'm your host, Kavita Ahuja, and I hope you're doing very well. It is a special weekend of observances around the world with the celebrations of Easter, Passover, Ramadan, and also recently celebrations of Holi in India and beyond. Whatever you celebrate, or even if you don't observe the religious traditions, I wish you and your families peace, love, and happiness. You may have noticed a few weeks break in this podcast, and that was due to an emergency I had to tend to with my father's health. The great news is he is fine now, and we had a beautiful 90th birthday celebration for him just last week. So, happy 90th birthday, Dad. Life teaches you lessons day by day if you open your mind and heart to listen to them. The last few weeks have been quite trying for my parents, but I see their resiliency, their strength, and their true bond of love that will get them through anything, and that reminds me of the power of love. If we truly strip away everything, what is remaining? It's true love, and that is the heart and soul of our existence. So I dedicate this episode to my mom and dad, who have constantly given me the courage to move forward despite perceived obstacles in my way. Obstacles or fears are just that, and this is discussed in this episode, in this next episode. They are often perceived in our own minds and they come in many different forms. But if we truly believe we can do anything we want, we can develop the courage, the strength, and the determination to pursue it. 
This is what I advise my clients every day. And I recently shared this in an article I wrote for Cool Life magazine, which you can read in the links link in the show notes below. We often hear the term, I'll believe it when I see it. I encourage you to flip that on its head and say instead, I'll see it when I believe it. If we truly believe in something, we will see it. It will, has to manifest in our lives. As Wayne Dyer says, if we want to change our lives, we need to change our thoughts first. I have seen this time and time again in my own life and through countless people I've encountered and interviewed for this podcast as well. Perhaps one of the greatest examples of this determination is my next guest, Deidre Wallenick. Get ready to be amazed by her story, and I'll see you at the end with her key takeaways. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to this week's podcast episode. I'm your host, Kavita Ahuja, and my goal with this podcast is to inspire you to realize your true inner power and potential and to live this next stage of your life to the fullest. If you may be going through transitions in your career or life and wondering what's next, I'm here to tell you that you can do this. And I want you to believe and say with confidence, it's my time now. To this end, I interview incredible women on this podcast who share their stories of reinvention and who will give you their advice on how to overcome the obstacles in your way to reach your vision for yourself in your next stage of life. You are in for an exceptional treat today, as I am both honored and humbled to have on the show today, Deidre Wallenick. If you haven't heard of Deidre yet, you will be amazed by her, and I can guarantee you that. Deidre is from New York City and has taught five foreign languages on three continents for 44 years. Her writing in books and magazines worldwide has won awards, and her independent publishing company produced several award-winning and international sellers. A musician all her life, Deidre founded and conducted the West Sacramento Community Orchestra and plays in many community orchestras and smaller ensembles on flute, clarinet, or piano and keyboard. At 55, Deidre began running and has done marathons, half marathons, and other races. At 59, she began rock climbing. And at 66, she became the oldest woman to climb Yosemite's iconic El Capitan with her son, Alex Honnold, of the movie Free Solo. In 2021, she celebrated her 70th birthday by going up El Cap again and camping on the summit. She just returned from a three-country climbing tour in Europe and in 2023, the documentary about her life, Climbing Into Life, will be available at film festivals across the country. Deidre, I have been looking so forward to this for weeks, actually, for this interview. And thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yes. I was telling you earlier that I read your book, The Sharp End of Life, in one sitting, actually. It was so excellent and motivating. I really couldn't put it down. And actually, when I told my sons that I was interviewing Alex Honnold's mom, they were just so excited. And 
Because I remember they, they, I remember them watching the movie and in amazement, and I did too. And I actually rewatched it. So, but since then, I've actually learned so many more and interesting things about you, which are equally, if not more, impressive. And I know you have probably been asked many times why you decided to start climbing and running and biking and doing all these high adventure pursuits in your mid fifties. But I kind of wanted to start with a question, which may be a little bit different. And as you know. Much of the audience that's listening are women. And often as women, especially, we're taught at an early age that we aren't supposed to do certain things. And your life is really an example of the opposite. And you shared with me when we talked before that your belief is that you don't have to have credentials to do things. And that if you want to pursue a dream, you can learn how to do this. And if you train yourself, you say in your book, and I'll quote this, I knew I could do this. If I could learn to play the piano, master several languages, and travel the world by myself, then I could surely learn to climb a rock. <laughs> so, <laughs> could you share with our audience, please, Deidre, your philosophy on, on lifelong learning and at any age, actually? Lifelong learning. Yes, I'm all for it. <laughs> yes. It starts when we're born. And if you watch little kids at all, kids know that the best time in the world happens when we're learning stuff. Kids, they see somebody do something interesting, all of a sudden they want to do it. They want to learn how. Kids want to learn how to do everything, everything they see. And in school, this is kind of taught out of us. We're taught to sit still, Mm. not talk, pay attention, and do what they tell us. Which it's understandable if you have 60 little kids in a classroom. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, have, to, yeah. You have to. Right, right, right. However, like the best vacations in your life, think back over over your whole life. The best vacations are always the ones where you learn something. Mm. Learn to ski, learn to scuba dive, learn to dig in an excavation, whatever. Or learn, learn to travel, learn to travel in foreign countries, learn to read a menu in Greek, whatever. Those are always the best because learning, lifelong learning is is who we are as humans. And it's like I said, it's it's taught out of us in school. And parents really need to encourage that at home mm-hmm. and, and everywhere and at home and on vacation. And when you're in the store with the kids and everywhere, lifelong learning is the key. I believe it's the key to happiness. It really is because mm. we're happiest when we have a goal and we're learning something, learning to be better at whatever it is, you know, learning to accomplish something. I can't stress that enough. That's like the key to everything. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I was talking about as we get older, but you're right. Like as kids, when you see kids, they're so fascinated by little things. And that fascination, sometimes it seems to kind of dwindle in a way as we get older. As we go to school. Yeah, yeah. And so the fact that if we can keep that little excitement or excitement for learning at everything in our lives. That's that's the right word for it, the excitement. Kids are excited to learn new stuff. And and we we, we need to kind of keep that alive as they grow older. Yes, yes. And certainly have because, I mean, not only with your your adventure pursuits, but your learning with the music and teaching and all that. It's, uh, it's It's a great example of that. So thank you for sharing that. So kind of along the same lines, you talked about kids and I kind of like to ask you about your belief about raising children. And not only can we teach them, but 
what we can learn from them. And you are the mother of two children who pursue extreme sports, both your son and daughter. And many mothers or most mothers would probably be fearful of letting them do these, these adventure pursuits, but you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was one quote in your book that I'd like to read, which kind of summarize what I'm trying to say here is that you said, don't you want your child to know what he's capable of, how much she can accomplish? I wanted both my children to know that about themselves. So I think sometimes even without knowing it, and I'm sure I'm guilty of this as well, is that we put limiting beliefs on our kids. And, but you have seemed to have done the opposite. So maybe you could expand on this and and kind of share what your, what your thoughts are on, on that. Well, you have to really think about our role as parents. What is your job as a mother or a father? What is your main job? The beginning, of course, is to protect them, feed them, clothe them, you know, protect them, keep, keep them from harm. But that's not our real job. Our main, the main job of any parent is to make themselves obsolete, to raise their children so that they don't need us anymore. Mm. That's our biggest job because they're going to replace us, basically. So we need to teach them the skills so that they can replace us, so that they can care for us later, Mm -hmm, so that mm -hmm. they can find out who they are, so that they know how to proceed in life. Again, is not taught anywhere in school. It's not even addressed anywhere in school. School is filling the pail, as they say, filling the pail rather than lighting the fire, mostly, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But you can't really know how to put this. You can't really know what you're capable of until you mm-hmm. try, until mm-hmm. you try whatever it is that you're talking about. People are very quick to say, oh, I could never fill in the blank. Oh, I could never climb rocks. I could never scuba dive, whatever it is, without having tried it, mm-hmm. without knowing. They base mm-hmm. that on fear. There's a lot of fear out there in the media, all over the media. Fear is the driving force. Fear of insecurity in life, fear mm-hmm. of danger in life, fear of poverty, fear of fear, basically. Mm-hmm. It's how we rule our lives these days. And it's it's so unfortunate because you really yes. can't I mean I kind of knew this as I was growing into adulthood and becoming a conductor and a, and a publisher and I've been many things. And I kind of knew this intuitively, but it's only when I started going outdoors and testing myself, if you will, that mm-hmm. I realized how important this is and how the the role we can play as parents in giving our children this ability to test themselves. Yes. I mean you must have been you must have been terrified though, were you not when you saw like when oh, you yes. saw like, <laughs> <laughs> like when you saw your son climbing off of town without any ropes and when you watched your daughter maybe doing her cycling yeah. or running and what thoughts came into your mind and I mean that's it's amazing that you actually encouraged that and but I mean I know that I I probably would have been yes yes and when Alex was little when he was little two three four and in, in preschool hang out with all the other parents waiting for the kids to come out of preschool or kindergarten whatever and or on our little court, we lived on a, a cul-de-sac court where yes. there were no cars. So the kids played out in the street and, and 
all the parents, I got so much advice because my son always, always was only interested in climbing. That's all he ever wanted from the day yes, he I, was born. Yeah, I heard, read that in the book. Yeah. <laughs> he could stand up the day he was born. And he had huge hands, powerful thighs and powerful hands. That's all he ever wanted to do. So other parents didn't get that. They didn't understand it. For one thing, they didn't live with it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't approve of it. It's not, I mean, they would spend all day out in the court tossing a ball for their kids, for their child to get better at that. But for my son to get better at climbing onto the roof and then onto the tree and then across the fence and all that, no, that wasn't approved of. So I got so much advice from people, from parents. Uh, oh, put him on Ritalin. It'll calm him down. Oh, my God. Okay. It'll make him more normal. Put you know you take him to the doctor. They can give him something to make him more normal. I was aghast at that. I I never let on to them because yes. to them this was the thing to do. This was normal. But yeah, why would you want to drug your child so that yeah. he fits a more definition of normal, which they more, they create? More, yeah, yes, a more yeah. well accepted definition yes. of what children should be. That that's horrible. Yeah. So I never drugged him and I never took him to the doctor and I mean, not really the doctor, but not for that. And, yeah. um, and he turned out to be, he was a wonderful child. They just didn't get what his passion was. Yes. And so you have to find first as children grow, they try out different things. They try and you should the job of a parent to, is to provide every opportunity you can for them to, to find their passion, figure out mm-hmm. what they love. Because that's not always obvious to anyone growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people don't find that until they're adults. Mm-hmm. And so you have to just keep providing the opportunities and let them try to find out what their passion is and can they do it and do they want to do it and, and you know, what do they need to learn in order to do it. Yeah, yeah. it's a complicated issue. I could yes. go on. I could write a whole book about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that actually you, you hit on something there because that was really my our philosophy as we raised. I have two sons as well, and it was to expose them to as much as possible and see where they land and what they're they'd find their own passions. And rather than forcing something on them, right? And it is true. Like sometimes we get into things, and we, you were talking earlier about fears, and it's also that fear of judgment, right? Like what are yeah. and yeah. you you face that with the friends who are telling you. Yeah. He's not normal or whatever, but that definition of normal is is not it's not the same for everybody. <laughs> so, there's no such thing as normal. Yeah, there's yeah. yes, yes. So yeah, that's great. So in, in just to kind of you you talked a little bit about the fears. And we talk a lot about fears on this podcast. That's one of the main things that yes. we all face at any stage in our life. And especially but as women, as we're trying to figure out what's next in our lives. And there's that fear of failure, there's a feel fear of regret, or as I talked about, not being good enough, or judgment as I just talked about. And they stop us in our tracks, no pun intended, but <laughs> I know I keep on giving quotes, but I just, I think this one was something that maybe I'd like you to comment on is that uh, you said that now I know fear can be ignored and fatigue is in the mind. If you think you can, you can. It's as simple as that and not so simple at all. So I would ask you for people listening, what would you advise them on how, I mean, how should I ignore fear or is that something that we should do is ignore it? Yeah, fear is a big issue. And as I mentioned before, fear is pushed on us by the media. Fear is 
taught to us by the media. You should be afraid of getting old. You should take this drug instead. You should be afraid of the pain in your knee. You should take this drug instead. I mean, it's horrible what's out in the, like in advertisements, especially. It's mm-hmm. all for drugs. It's all for man-made, laboratory-made interventions in our lives. And we don't need that stuff. That's um, that's another topic altogether. But fear. No, you should not ignore fear. That's, that's the wrong way to put it. There's a lot of different kinds of fear. Two basic types. You should definitely not ignore the real kind of fear. I mean, if we had ignored the snarling of the, the saber-toothed tiger, we wouldn't be here now. <laughs> right, right. So there's two different kinds of fear, basically, that you have to think about when as you go out into life as a kid, as an adult, as a adolescent, especially, maybe. There are two different kinds. The real kind, the real fear that warrants listening to, mm-hmm. fear that something really bad is going to happen. You get a gut feeling that that guy across the street that's been walking behind you for three blocks you you, know, you get a fear about that you got to listen to that all right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the other kind of fear is what i call perceived fear we think there's danger and we react to that perception it's just perception though it's not real fear like the first time they took me out my friends took me out climbing on a a wall where instead of going up and down, back down to the ground, we were going to go up and then up and then up, keep going up and up and up more, you know, higher mm-hmm. and higher. I had only been climbing like six months by this point, and I was not very good at it. I, I mean, I was technically, yeah, I could climb physically, but I didn't know a lot about the gear yet. I didn't know a lot about what I was capable of. I was still learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the learning curve in climbing is immense. And so we went up to the first pitch, the first rope length, and I got to a, a ledge. And we were about maybe maybe 180 feet up off the ground, which when, when you're exposed out there just hanging on a rope, that's really high. Yes. <laughs> People down on the ground were little tiny ants, and, and wow. all I could see around me was peaks, mountain peaks, and sky. I was So I, I pushed up to this ledge, turned around, and sat down on the ledge, and I was all of a sudden, absolutely, as you said before, I was terrified. I was absolutely frozen in fear. I had never experienced that before. I'd been afraid in my life, but not like this. All the other things I had done, like I'd been a conductor and I'd been a publisher and I worked in the airline. I'd done a lot of things. And for example, when I, first time I got up on the podium to conduct, to conduct an orchestra. Well, that's a scary kind of moment, you know, the very first time, because I, I had no credentials, no training to do this except my own. I was self-taught. Right. And I've been self-taught in most of the things I've done in my life, except well, most of the things. Yeah. And but I knew in the back of my mind that if I did something stupid, the music would stop. I'd be embarrassed. But nobody was gonna die. <laughs> you know? Right. 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 <laughs> However, up on that rock that's the potential. Yeah. On that rock, all I could think of was if I do anything stupid, either I'm going to die or I'm going to take somebody with me. We're all going to die. Mm. Until I thought it through. I was on a rope. I was attached to three different slings that attached me to the, the anchor behind me. I wasn't going anywhere. I, I knew that in my mind, but my instinct developed over all these years of watching the media and listening to all this advice I was getting. My instinct first was, okay, I'm going to die. 
Yes. <laughs> I'm going to die. I better not move. And then I just had to talk to myself and calm myself down and realize that, no, I'm safe. All my friends are bouncing around. It's a huge ledge. They weren't even attached anymore. It was so safe for them. They were so secure. And there I was panicking on my little ledge. And so I had to simply teach myself that this was one of those fears that was only in my own perception. Teenagers are excellent at this, at perceived fears. Yes. Oh, they're all looking at me. Okay, this is a big one when you're a teenager. You got zits all over your face and you're awkward. (laughs) They're all looking at me. No, they're not. Yes. (laughs) We have to learn as we grow to teach ourselves about perceived fear. Yes. And most of fear in life, most, not all, because you have to learn to listen to that saber-toothed tiger out there. But most of the fears in our lives are perceived fears. Nothing bad is really going to happen if we mess up or whatever. We talk to that pretty girl over there and we make a fool of ourselves. Well, nothing bad is really going to happen. We're not going to die. She's not going to die. You know, you have to get it down to the bare essentials. Yes. And you have that fear is always a choice. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Fear is always a choice and we have to learn to make that choice wisely. Hmm. I like that. Fear is always a choice. Yes. I speak to that rational, those perceived fears as there's those internal voice that we, yes, there's an internal dialogue that's always going on in our heads. Yes. And though those, that, that voice, that inner voice I often talk about in my coaching is that, voice that tells us you can't do this you can't do this oh my god oh my god right. what's gonna gonna right. die you're gonna die. and right. so right. the way to kind of deal with that is like dial the the volume down of that voice and then again as you said it's a choice you know how are you going to deal with that are you going to yeah. listen to it or are you going to maybe Talk. ignore it accept it that it's there but usually it's there for to protect us right Hi, my friend, Kavita here. Do you often feel blocked from moving forward? We all feel that way at times. These are referred to as energy blocks. I've created a short, actionable PDF guide to help you release your negative energy blocks. Click the link in the description to download it now for free. Now, let's get back to the episode. Well, yeah, see, it's like my son always says in his interviews, it's not courage, it's not fear, it's not all these horrible things. It's you you have to expand your comfort zone to include yes. whatever it is. Well, and when I got up to that ledge, my comfort zone was still too restricted, and I had never done this, and I didn't know what to expect, and it wasn't part of my comfort zone, so it terrified me. Yes. But later, as I pushed the limits of my comfort zone or area, whatever you want to call that, to include being on ledges and looking out at peaks and stuff like that, then it it no longer bothers you at that point. Hmm. So it's it's not ignoring fear. You can't ignore fear. You can't ignore it, yeah. But you can include it in what's possible in your life. Yeah, I love that. Expanding your comfort zone. And and that kind of leads to what you you said. There's, I guess, the flip side maybe of fear is courage. But I like the way you pointed it out is that, it's not it's it's expanding the comfort zone so i know that we talked about about this but how in your life i mean other than obviously the adventure 
piece of it. How did you decide to take that leap and expand your comfort zone and get that courage to not only do this adventure stuff, but also you had some difficulties in your life with your marriage ended as well as the loss of your, your marriage and your husband. So these are things, other things that happened that you managed or still managing, I'm not sure, yeah, to get yeah. through. Well, first off, I take exception to your use of the word courage. Okay. The flip side of fear is definitely not courage. The okay. flip side of fear, the opposite of fear is foolhardiness. What, another word for that, daredevilness. Okay. That's the opposite side of fear. Okay. Not courage. All right. Yeah. It was. I don't think of myself as particularly courageous. I mean, courageous is a firefighter running into a burning building to save somebody. That's courage. That's different. But the flip side of fear is foolhardiness. A lot of people look at what my son did, and they see him hanging on the side of El Capitan, and they think, that, oh, that's stupid. What a daredevil. Uh-uh. He's the opposite of daredevil. He's so studied and careful and safety conscious. It's the opposite of daredevil. Hmm. And fear is part of that. You have, like I said, you have to expand your, your comfort area, your comfort zone to include the fear so that you can deal with it. But so I never really thought of it as courage. It's just conquering the fear, not conquering it exactly, but embracing it, making it part of you mm-hmm. and accepting it and then learning to distinguish the two kinds of fear. Because you do need to pay attention to the real kind. The real mm-hmm. kind can kill you, can maim you, can ruin a relationship, can oh, you know, do all kinds of bad things. Mm-hmm. The perceived kind can't do any of those things. Right. The perceived kind is totally powerless over you once you learn to talk it through and to not ignore it, but talk talk yourself into no longer believing it. Would that be the same in, in your personal life? Oh, yeah. Anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. This is true physically, uh, emotionally, you know, mentally, whatever. You have to learn to talk yourself into no longer believing that fear. Mm-hmm. The fear, I hesitate to call it fear. The bad thoughts about what the outcomes, whatever, they're always there. But you have to learn to teach yourself, teach yourself out of it too, mm-hmm. to no longer pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk yourself into that. Yeah. That's good. And to no longer believing it. Yeah. It's always yes. going to be out there. You're always going to get these messages from the media. You should be afraid of growing old because this is going to fail and that's going to fail. That's fear. Those are limitations that society, I think, puts on, on us. Absolutely. A lot of us do listen to that and they then we right. don't push ourselves to, right. to do the things like that you've done, right? Because of all those. People are afraid to try, right? Because of. Because of, largely because of the media. I mean, if yes. I raised my children without television. We had no television in our house. And so they learned to be self-sufficient, to entertain themselves, to go outdoors and seek nature in all its grandeur and all its forms and learn to be amazed by the world. And their kid, their friends would come over. They would all expect to sit and watch something and in our house, you didn't do that. And they'd have a wonderful time. Yes. The screens are our downfall. Screens are our downfall. Mm-hmm. Both of my kids as adults have thanked me for that decision to not have mm-hmm. screens mm-hmm. in their house. Mm-hmm. And 
it's just so sad that everyone nowadays assumes that we have to live with that, that big, big screen in the middle of our life. And that's not true. Mm. I can't count the number of people who come to my door. I get solicitors at my front door and they say, uh, which television service do you use? And I say, I don't have it. And they do not understand even what I mean. Yes. When I say I don't have television, they just, they just assume I'm that company or something else. Yes. They do not even understand. Yes. No, people can't <laughs> even absorb the meaning of without television. Yeah. It's that that's the downfall of our civilization. It really yeah. is. Yeah. It's interesting because when my kids were my boys were growing up, um, we never really well we didn't allow that, but we didn't encourage it, is the the video games that you see kids yes, yes, constantly yes, looking at. And yes. I still see that a lot when we go out yes. and videos of these little kids around these crazy video games. And and they actually thank us for that because we did other things. We do exactly. have a TV, but we did other things. Like exactly. Yeah. And and to that note, I Deidre, you have a, a blog that's called yeah. uh, Deidre's Place. And it I was taking a look at it. It's a site about exploration. And you really kind of chronicle your adventures and the beauty of the world around us, just what we were talking about. So, and I strongly believe, and that's why I'm, what's why I do this podcast is that we can learn from each other's stories and from, from our adventures. And so can you kind of share, you know, why you believe it's so important um, to have this blog, to experience the world around us? I know we talked about a little bit, but what is it about what we can learn from the world around us and experiencing nature? That's a very, very big question. And I mean, I, yeah. I, I could write a whole book about that. <laughs> yeah. Someday I might. But we have kind of lost. So we in the, the first world, not, mm. not so much true in the third world, say, you know, but we who live with televisions and computers and, and video games and all that, we have lost sight of the fact that we are we are natural creatures just like kangaroos or zebras or or foxes or we are natural creatures and we've we've cemented ourselves away from that we've lost track of that we've lost sight of it to the point where it it creates fear in a lot of people people are afraid to go outdoors people are afraid of snakes they're afraid of the coyotes and they're afraid of ooh it's nighttime in the woods ooh terrifying but we are natural creatures Mm-hmm. And Mother Nature has everything that we need. We don't need those drugs that are being advertised on television. We don't need those man-made, laboratory-made assists to get through the night, to sleep better, to wake up better, to eat better. To We don't need those things. We need mm-hmm. Mother Nature. She has all the answers. And the more stories we share about that, the better. I mean, we, there can't be enough of that. Yes. Because we have gotten so far away from that. It's, we need to relearn that connection. Mm-hmm. Us with our mother, our mother nature. And you know, there's a mm-hmm. reason it's for over the millennia, it's always been referred to as mother nature. There's mother a good nature. reason for that. Yes. She knows what we need. She has what we need. Yes. Once in a while, you might need to take a, a headache. Aspirin is only fine. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm talking about the excess that has gotten us away from our natural lives. Yes, I mean just walking down the street and walking five minutes in a park, a green park, is so beneficial for us emotionally, physically, in every way possible. I mean, 
You can read about it. The scientific papers have been published all about that. But we don't need the scientific papers. <laughs> Watch any kids. Kids love, if you give a kid a choice, watch television in your living room. I'll go out and play with sticks and mud and stones and you're barefoot in the creek. And no kid's going to choose the, the television unless right. they've been conditioned to do that by their parents, yes. by the media. Yes. Is that the basis for your blog, really? Is that what you're trying to... Yeah, I'm trying to share my stories and yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and have people interact. It's easy to interact with my blog. You can just... Go down to the end of blog entry and type your your response. Yeah. And I yeah. love to read those. I love, I welcome those. Uh, yeah, we need to open more of a dialogue about this because we have lost so much of our naturalness. Yes. And we need to get that back in order to, I, mean, I don't want to go into, in order to save the planet. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Yes, we are killing our planet. And it's because yeah. we've lost touch with the fact that we are part of the planet. Mm-hmm. We think of ourselves as different and special. Mm -hmm. Humans are better. We can control all the animals. We can control the environment. Guess what? We can't. <laughs> right. And, and we're learning that. Mother Nature is angry. The planet is angry and, and it, yeah. it's sick because yes. of us. And yes, yes. So we need to open that dialogue and keep yeah. it going. Yeah. Well, you're in a, a great position to be able to share those messages in terms of so. these people. People look up to you, and so those messages are, are important to, to share. So yeah. I wanted you to tell tell us about your 70th birthday. And the party. Yeah, tell me, tell tell us. I mean, that to me is fabulous. And what did that really what did that <laughs> symbolize for you, Deidre? Like what what did that kind of mean for you? I climbed El Cap with my son when I was 66. That was four. Yes four and a half years ago, something like that, in 17, 2017. And immediately felt like, not immediately, but following that, I had massive surgery on my foot. And that threw out limping for like a year on that. And it was throughout my knee on the other side. And I had other issues on my knee. And then my, I had all kinds of health things going on, really mm -hmm. serious. Stuff. And so I, so I was housebound for a year. Then I went on a book tour and then we had COVID mm. for like four years. I didn't do anything physical. I, I couldn't, couldn't do anything physical. The climbing gyms were closed. I couldn't do that. I, like the third and fourth year, second and third year of COVID, everything was still shut down. And so I, I approached my 70th birthday was coming up and I'm thinking, okay, I don't know if I can still climb. I don't know if I can still run. I can't, get together with my friends for my birthday. I can't have them over in my house because of COVID. We can't go to a restaurant because of COVID. I know. I want to find out if I can still get up there, if I still have it in me to do what I was doing before. Hmm. And so I decided to try to get up El Cap again. I didn't, we didn't go up the same way. When Alex, you know, with my son, we went up an actual climbing route. I didn't climb it technically, my hands and feet on the rock. My hands were held jumars, which are gizmos that attach to the rope. They have teeth. Mm -hmm. So you can push them up, but they won't come down. So right. I basically laddered my way up the rope for 3,200 feet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of work. Oh, God, so much work. I heard that when you got up, it was dark? Yeah, pitch dark. It's dark. Not even a not even a sliver of a moon. It was pitch dark, totally. Yeah, it was crazy. 
Wow. And then we immediately started coming down because with Alex, Alex holds, Alex holds the speed records on all the biggest walls in the world, and yes. including El Cap. And he's beaten his own speed record several times, in fact. So when you go, when you climb anything with Alex, I'm, I don't know if you can see, but if you see all the pictures behind me, all the photographs behind me, yes. those are all those are all the peaks that I've done with my son, and wow. they're all quite extraordinary. And not in terms of difficulty, is exactly. For elite climbers, these are easy. <laughs> for beginner <laughs> climbers, they're definitely not easy. But they're they're huge, huge right. goals. More so than any of my climbing friends here in Sacramento will attempt, because they're too dangerous. Because they're so huge as goals. Right. My son, though, he to him, this is do this before breakfast, and then you come down. <laughs> so. When I did El Cap with him, we went up and down in a day. Yes. I didn't realize that until like four years later how extraordinary that is. The climbers who set up the route that we did, the first people who ever climbed it, and all the elite climbers since then, when they did that same route, took like four or five days. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. If I had known that back then, I might not have gone. I might not have attempted it because... That's ridiculous a goal for an old lady. <laughs> it really is. Oh, Nonetheless, with Alex, we went fast, we went up and down. So I didn't get to sleep on the wall. That was I was always curious what it was like to sleep up there. Oh. So I decided for my birthday to go up the descent route, which is the way all the climbers come down. It involves a lot of scrambling over big boulders and rocks, and it involves a lot of ropes uh, in the middle. So I decided to do that going up. And with a bunch of friends, there were 11 of us who went up that day. Oh, fun. And so I wanted to know what it was like to sleep up there. So I decided to camp. We were going to go up in a day. It took us about six hours. Whereas with Alex, it took 13 and a half hours to get up. So it took us six hours to get up. And then we camped on the top, on the summit. How and beautiful. And then we watched the sun go down from up there. And then we watched the sun come up from up there. And then we came back down. So it was extraordinary in in every way that I can possibly mention. It was extraordinary. But well, you asked about what it symbolized, what it meant for me. It was finding out whether I still could, basically. Mm. Finding out whether I still had it in me. Finding out whether in four years of inactivity, had that fear come back and taken hold again. Mm -hmm. And I, had, I did have to talk to myself a lot on that trip. <laughs> 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 and I was the oldest. There were three, there were four, four of us old ladies on that trip up. Don't call and, yourself an old you know, lady. You're not an old lady. Come on. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I don't think of myself, but there were yes. four of those older people and seven younger people. Yeah. And the youngest, of course, was 12. She and her mom did it with us. 12. 12, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that's another story here. We should talk about that someday, too. But yeah, she, yeah. You can go ahead and talk about it, if you like. Yeah, so, it, so there was a lot of So what it symbolized was my coming back after four years of pain, four years of my foot was basically ripped apart, sawed off, and sawed bone in several places, put everything put oh, back boy. together with metal. And so I have a lot of metal now in my foot, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. And so there are a lot of movements that are necessary for climbing that I can't do anymore. Hmm. So does that mean it's over? Heck no. <laughs> I needed to go out and figure out, find out if I could figure out other ways to do what they were doing. 
Mm-hmm. So that trip up, you know, there were, I said there were 11 of us. They all just raced up and did this, did that. I couldn't do it that way. I had to figure out other ways to place my foot, other directions to push because my toes don't bend anymore and my this doesn't work. And the other, the, all, my parts aren't working the way they're supposed to. So it was harder for me than for everybody else, not because I'm older, but because of my foot and because mm-hmm. of my knee. So, yeah, it was it was symbolic in that I was figuring out all this stuff and finding out if I still could and yeah. if I still loved it as much. You know. Yeah. But you kind of goes back to that lifelong learning. You're learning how to adjust right. Right, exactly. to your circumstances exactly. and you're not, but you're not get backing down. You're just figuring out a different way, a different route, if I, if yeah. I may, right? Exactly. Fabulous. Right. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. So I really can't imagine how you would top <laughs> About that. But, you know. Well, well, actually, last year I did. Last fall, I kind of did. I, oh, okay. As a climber, since I've only been climbing, what, 11 years now or 12 years now. Started only? Okay. 20, no, come, going on 13. Most of the climbing folks I know have been climbing all their lives or since they were 20 or whatever. I started when I was 60. <laughs> and, and since then, since then, I've always dreamed of climbing because rocks are different everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. There are different kinds of rock, different ways they're, they're put together. All kinds of things are different about rocks everywhere in the world. So I always wanted to try the rocks in the Dolomites. The Dolomites mm. are in northeastern Italy, between Italy and Austria, Italy and Switzerland. Yes. A huge expanse of incredible mountains that that are different. from. I've been in mountains now a lot of places, and... These are different. I always wanted to try them. And mm-hmm. so last year in the fall, I got, I did some several speaking engagements in the Dolomites and they all took me out climbing too. Beautiful. So I got to, got to try that. And I got to try it in, in the Italian speaking part of Switzerland as well in the Alps. Right. Was it, was it more difficult or is it just a different terrain just or different, just different, different. not yes. more or less difficult, just different. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh, mm-hmm. was it outstanding? I absolutely like can't wait to go back there someday. Yeah. As I see your your light up when you, you're talking about yeah. it. I yeah. can see that. Yeah. I can't wait to go back. So there. are you at what's next? Are you are you uh, well this this fall, yeah, this coming fall, I'll be speaking in the French Alps in in uh, Grenoble. Grenoble. Mm-hmm. And I'd I'd like to line up some more as well, if I can. I haven't been able to yet, but I hope to. If you know anybody who uh, has any organizations or speaking things, needs uh, that part of the world. I'd like to, I haven't climbed in the French Alps at all. I've done okay. a little bit of hiking, not much. I climbed in France once down in, uh, on the Mediterranean, a place called Les Calanques, which is uh, basically means the fjords. There's a whole bunch of fjords south of Marseille. Yes. There, it was outstanding. But this is That's different. Beautiful. This is Alpine climbing. Yes, yes. So I'd like well, to Well, I'm sure, I'm sure that, Anybody listening to this will, I'm sure there'll be people connecting with you. I hope so. I hope so. Yes. And in, yes. in, in, in the month of May, this coming May, just in two months, wow, two months from now, getting close, I'll be climbing all over Spain. I have some friends oh, wow. in Spain and I'll be do, doing some speaking in Spain as well. That's amazing. That's great. So, yeah. So I love, I love these trips for the linguistic part of mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. I, I speak a lot of languages. And yeah. when I was in Italy and Italian part of Switzerland. I did my speaking things in Italian. I was going to ask you: Do you do you do you speak in the in the language? Fantastic! Yeah. And uh, when I go fantastic. to Spain, I'll be doing them in Spanish. Fantastic! And so I enjoy the trips 
for both things, for the climbing, you know, the adventure. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Isn't that interesting yeah. how it kind of all came together? And exactly. Do you yeah. do you put any of your music in there as well? Or? Oh, I would if they, <laughs> yeah. there were an opportunity. Maybe you can, while you're there, you know, just conduct an orchestra. And... Well, or I could sit down and play the piano for them. And, and exactly. Exactly. All, all kinds of fun stuff. Like that. Yes. They ask, I will certainly indulge them. Yes. And. I understand. Also, um, I had Melissa Davy on uh, on my recent right. podcast, and I understand there's she's uh, the movie about your life is coming out yeah. as well. So that's an exciting yeah, year. I can't I wait have. to see it. the trailer is out. The trailer is out, yes. and the trailer is beautiful. The trailer is outstanding. Yes, I saw. I saw that. I actually posted it on. Uh, okay. So if anybody, if anybody's listening to it and they want to look at the previous episodes, they can take a look at the trailer. But. Yeah, so I hope the movie is the same quality as the trailer. It was oh, I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. So that's wonderful. I just um, thought uh, there's there's this one final quote that I really liked, and I thought I'd just maybe end off with that. And it's, um, the view from the top is not just a reward for your hard work. It's a reminder of how small we are in the grand scheme of things and how beautiful the world can be if we're willing to push ourselves to see it. Yeah. So true. <laughs> yeah. 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 My son often talks about humans are so tiny and insignificant on this planet. We're like little ants running around you know, doing our thing. And if you can put that aside and just ignore that and appreciate the grandeur of Mother Nature, all that she offers us, life is beautiful. <laughs> it really is. That's, I, I can't top that. You're right. Life is beautiful if you open your eyes to it, right? Exactly. And you're open, exactly. If you're open to turn to off those it. screens, turn off those yeah. screens, stop those messages from that barrage of messages that's constantly directed at us. Yeah, just turn there's so off. much po- there's so much positive energy in the world. Let's focus on that and tap into that versus the negativity right. around us. Right. Exactly. So, exactly. and listen to your wonderful. Children. Yeah. Yes. 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 Go play with positive. go play with the kids. Right. Yeah, exactly. Kids know <laughs> yeah. about positive energy. They really do, and, mm-hmm. and they know it comes from nature. And and they lose that when they go to school. Uh, yep. That's a battle. Yes. 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 Wonderful. We have to fight for them. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Deirdre, can it let us know where the best way to find you and anything else that you want to end off with? Okay, I will. Well, the best way to find me, of course, is on Instagram or Facebook. Just my name. Mm-hmm. and check out the trailer for the movie that's going yes to be yes and your blog as well right? and the book it, yeah yeah the book is called the sharp end of life sharp end is a climbing term that's why i used it but what it means is the yeah uh, the dangerous end the sharp end of the rope is yes the leader's end of the rope the leader the first person who goes up there that's the person who takes all the risks and if that leader falls, that they're the ones that get beat up and, and it's the dangerous end of the rope. And my entire life was spent on this sharp end. You'll understand once you've read the book. I yes. never had it, I never had it easy about anything. Anything. So it seemed entirely appropriate as a title. Yes. Life. And, it, and it is a fabulous book. I'd highly recommend it for anyone. It's just very inspirational and it uh, gives an insight into uh, how you've come where you how you've gotten where you are and also about your children and congratulations for everything. Yeah. Congratulations for everything that you've done and really, really value and appreciate your time for being here today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yes. And good luck. And yeah, I 
want to see see more of the adventures of all the places you go in the world. So yeah, I'll uh, with my blog and you'll yes, and, and definitely watch the watch the movie when it comes out. Great, great. Well, Thanks thank you again, me. Deidre. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I hope you enjoyed this very inspiring episode with Deidre Wallenick as much as I did. Her resiliency, determination, love of our mother nature, and views on raising children and facing our fears are lessons we should take into our own lives. Here are her key takeaways. Number one, lifelong learning is who we are as humans, and parents really need to encourage this at home. It is a key to happiness. It really is. We are the happiest when we have a goal and we are learning something, to be better at something, to accomplish something. Number two, the main job of any parent is to make themselves obsolete. Raise your children so they don't need us. That's our biggest job. We need to teach them the skills so they can replace us, care for us, and so that they can find out who they are and give them the ability to test themselves. Number three, you can't really know what you're capable of until you try. Four, there are two types of fear. Number one, the real kind that warrants listening to our gut feeling and two, perceived fears. We think there is danger and we react to that perception. It's just perception though. It's not real fear. Most of the fears in our lives are perceived fears. Nothing bad is really going to happen. Number five, you have to get it down to the bare essentials. Fear is always a choice and we have to learn to make that choice wisely. It's not necessarily courage. You have to expand your comfort zone to include whatever it is that scares you. Six, the opposite of fear is not courage. It is foolhardiness or daredevilness. You have to learn to talk yourself into no longer believing that fear. Number seven, mother nature has everything that we need. We need Mother Nature. She has all the answers. The more stories we share about that, the better. We need to relearn that connection with our mother. Number eight, the view from the top is not just a reward for your hard work. It's a reminder of how small we are in the grand scheme of things and how beautiful the world can be if we're willing to push ourselves to see it. And number nine, Humans are so tiny and insignificant on this planet. We are like little ants. Appreciate the grandeur of Mother Nature and all that she offers us. Life is beautiful. It really is. That brought a tear to my eye, and I thank you, Deidre, for reminding us all of these valuable lessons. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoy it, please share it and drop me a line. Send me a message at kavita at powerpurposeplay.ca and tell me why you enjoy it or how I can improve it. I'm here to serve you, and if you want help climbing your own mountain peaks, reach out to me. I'm here for you. Book a call with me today, and let's talk. Until next time, happy celebrations with your families and friends, and again, happy birthday, Dad.